This is Rock and Roll Grad School with your hosts, Heidi Hedquist and Luke Poling. Why are we here? Because we're here. Roll the bones. Hello, kitties. And hello, mutants. Mm-hmm. Or should I say, hello, mutants. Hello, mutants. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have a good time together because we are talking drive-ins. Mm-hmm. We're talking Joe Bob Briggs. We're talking Darcy the May Girl. And we are talking John Brennan. And a lot of bathroom humor. Yeah, that seems to be John's bread and butter. Mm-hmm. If, I don't know, if, um, I'm trying to think of a good example. I mean, I guess ZZ Top, they had legs. They knew how to use them. They knew how to use them. They had the Just eliminator car. Exactly. John has bathroom humor. That is his sort of... Uh, that's his forte. Well, and as someone who is not a fan of bathroom humor, mm-hmm. I did really like John. So true. And and it's speaks it's, volumes. It's not true. And it's also not all of his music, which no. is a relief for everybody. Yes. Um, <laughs> like Alka Seltzer. Right. He's got two new records out, which is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. But the number of songs John's written is impressive. Uh, impressive is an understatement. He has the solo album, No Offense, None Taken, which is just a great name for a record. It is. I don't think we really talked about it with him. But, no, but it is a really great me. album title. And the fact that nobody swept that up mm-hmm. like years ago. Exactly. It's, it's, it's very good. And then he has a compilation of songs he did for the last drive-in that is also just lovely if you're looking for songs about phantasm and uh prom night hello mary sorry prom night to hello mary lou i believe that's the name of it i believe so yeah um so what i was going to ask you about um obviously you have not heard it the 2018 once upon a time in shaolin the wu-tang clan album how do you know obviously i haven't heard it because only one person in the world has heard it. <laughs> Maybe I'm that gal. <laughs> so this was the album that the Wu-Tang Clan put together, sold for, I think it was over a million, at least a million. And whoever bought it would have complete rights to do whatever they wanted with the record if they wanted to distribute it. And apparently in the contract, the only way the Wu-Tang Clan could get the rights back was if they had teamed up with Bill Murray to then go steal the album itself from the person yes. who bought it possibly the greatest thing i've ever heard in my i would life. just love to see that lawyer as he got that little addendum wow. an email from rizza comma the and it's like sorry what so but the person who bought the album was martin scarelli i believe is how you say it okay the uh gentleman who is best known for buying the patent on some aids medication and then jacking up the price Oh, that dude. Yes. Hmm, what an interesting catalog. Exactly. And so the question was, what is he going to do? He never released it. He is now um, currently um, being charged. Uh, well, he was sentenced to seven years in prison for securities fraud. Um, hmm. And he was ordered by the government to forfeit the album, along with several other assets, in order to fulfill a uh, $7.3 million uh, settlement against him. So, and this came out today, according to court documents, the forfeiture judge has been, fu- uh, says the forfeiture has been fulfilled with the sale of the Wu-Tang album. So somebody bought it. 
nobody knows who, and nobody knows how much they paid for it. Fascinating. So if perchance you own Once Upon a Time in Shaolin, and you're listening to our podcast, we can keep our mouth shut. I know, this sure. show, I know this show may be evidence to the contrary, but if you want to just A-track, just wet our whistle, tickle our, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. number record is this for you because it it seems like it's not your first so uh well i have two records currently one was just released at the uh, mahoning and that is a compilation of all the songs from the last drive-in with joe bob briggs uh the cover of it is a, a sergeant pepper's parody with me yuki darcy and joe bob as the Beatles, basically. And then behind us is a bunch of characters from the movies from the show. Victor Crowley, Adam Green graciously let us use the, that character. Uh, you have all sorts of people. Michael Berryman's on there, Lloyd Kaufman, the angry video game nerd. So it's a who's who of horror. Um, and uh, Shore Phono Co. is putting it out. And um, they actually had to go through and clear all 40 or so people on there so it's been like a crazy six months of them just like trying to get releases and finally they got it like two days before or a day before the jamboree so that's one record that i have out and that's a full-length lp the second one is also a full-length lp and it's my first solo record called no offense none taken so uh that one is officially like my first real record as an independent solo artist <laughs> i've been home recording for like 20 years so this is honestly it's a dream come true yeah i was gonna say when you look at your Bandcamp page it's just like collection after collection and i mean it there's a bit of uh if you had told me you were doing like a sufjan stevens type thing and doing an album for every fulci film i'd believe you yes well one of my plans um, which fell through because I actually got very busy on the last drive-in and I was also producing a movie for Troma called Hashtag Shakespeare's Shitstorm, which is based on <laughs> Shakespeare's The Tempest. Um, Say, I don't know what that is. As, as, oh, <laughs> as the title implies, sure. Uh-huh. Yes. Oh, we could get deep into trauma. Um, but on, my 40, on my 40th birthday, I wanted to put out 20 full-length records all at the same time. And I had a bunch of that stuff done. But just due to just being so busy i couldn't do it so i'm gonna slowly release that sort of stuff over the course of the next few years some of it'll just be like for my band camp some of it might be on records um on no offense none taken there's a few tracks that were meant for some of the releases uh and and then on my 50th birthday i want to do 30 so it's like 20 40 50 30 you know it's like i'm trying to like keep so we'll see i think i'll be able to reach that one but i've written about 700 songs or more what do you remember all your children (laughs) (laughs) i remember the soap opera all my children (laughs) (laughs) 700 babies right there like (laughs) um you know what i say is better out than in because if i left all of them in my head maybe it would have driven me a little nuts 
Um, and I just, you know, it's, it's easy to just like make a song, put it on a voice recording, have like a small demo of it. And then later on when I'm putting a project together, go back and say, Oh, that sounds good, but maybe the lyrics weren't right. So I'll repurpose that for something for Joe Bob or, you know, it's so, so having all of those things in, in a file is like, it saved me a few times, quite honestly. That's just that amount of material. Right. Like we, we had 25 episodes of this show and we felt like, you know, going out to dinner. I mean, 700s, yeah. you could, it, you wouldn't be able to sit down and listen to all of that in an afternoon. Oh no, never, never. It's a, it's a, it's a lifetime of work. You know, um, I'm a big fan of Frank Zappa and his whole, he called his whole entire discography from live records to anything he ever did is called project object. So his, he views his entire, everything he put out as one thing. And I sort of view that, uh, similarly, I don't have a word for it or a name for it, but that's kind of how I look at it is it's all one I guess when I die, it'll be a legacy. <laughs> and so much like I, Zappa, someone's going to have to go through it all and try to figure out what your intent that, was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I have her figure it out, which is even better. <laughs> no, it'll be a puzzle because I have all sorts of, of, you know, things that maybe shouldn't even be available for the public on my Bandcamp page. Experiments that I did when I was first starting out as a home recording artist. But I like that up there for maybe a few people who want to go and look at the evolution of how I started, how I sounded and how I sort of grew to get onto a show and was able to actually, you know, work with a legend like Joe Bob Briggs. So it's, it, it's all there if you want to look at the arc. So how did you get started? How long into the music playing where you're like, I need to start writing, like documenting what I've written. Um, uh, <laughs> well, well, let's say, my first official song was in kindergarten and it was a song called Jamie poops all day long. She never <laughs> stops pooping. And that was real. I'm not joking. So yeah. we, me and my friend <laughs> get ASCAP on the phone. We got to get, um, get Paul Williams. He's the president of ASCAP yes. sure, exactly. for, the, for the next Muppets movie. Yeah. Um, this but is he, a dream come true right there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But uh, we wrote, me and my friend Frankie wrote it for a girl we had a crush on. Uh, needless to say, she didn't like it. But then after that, I would just be singing things in my head and making up songs. But then I started to get really serious about it. Um, kind of in high school, I got an acoustic guitar, like a really cheap one for my parents for uh, one, some Christmas. And I started playing a lot. And um I had a, a cassette recorder and that's when I started recording songs. I wrote songs like Barbecue Maniac, uh, you know, so a lot of songs about food, but then I started to write songs about like love songs just to experiment to see what it would be like if I could do it. And, and people started to like it. So I would jam with my friends and then it just all started to grow from there uh, until finally, this was the big step. Uh, I used to record different tracks on a digital video camera and then put it into Final Cut Pro and edit the track. So I would have multi-tracks. That was the first time I ever mixed anything. And from there, I figured out you could put waves out. So that's when I started to really make music. So, awesome. yeah, it was did, crazy. Did you realize with your later love songs that maybe the bathroom approach wasn't the best way to get the girl? Uh, <laughs> yes and no. There's been <laughs> certain girls who absolutely love 
the bathroom approach. Uh, I, I, I have no doubt. <laughs> Just you know, not Jamie. Yeah, yeah. No, not Jamie. Jamie was <laughs> but I used to do a stand-up comedy act a stand-up comedy act like with just me and a guitar and even though a lot of people in the stand-up community sort of like when they see a guitar guy they're like oh no i i wouldn't care i would just go up there and kind of just do like a punk rock version of comedy and scream and yell and make dick and fart jokes and it seemed to work um but then i sort of left that behind because i didn't really want to be a touring musician that's not my my dream being on the road for, for you know 200 days out of the year it just doesn't sound enticing but sitting around and making a bunch of songs sounds great so that's kind of what i did um but i love everything i love to genre hop i mean one of my favorite bands is ween they've written a mm -hmm. whole country record they've written uh, rock songs love songs uh, irish drinking songs and i have always felt the same way I, I don't discriminate music in any way i love things from every genre so Similarly, in writing, I'll write something from every genre. That's it, it comes across. And that's the fascinating thing about your work, like something like Tailspin, um, like which I just love the sound of it. It's so the atmosphere of it. It has a very Italian giallo feeling. But maybe well, I want to give a, me. No, I want to give a <laughs> shout out. Uh, the reason why that track actually really worked and sounded really cool was because, you know, obviously it's a cover from things. Great song to begin with. But um, when the director, Austin Jennings of The Last Drive-In, he approached me to do a cover of it, he's like, I want it to sound really de de degraded and like, like it was recorded on a cassette tape. And I started looking into maybe getting a new cassette recorder. But then I found an app from Waves Audio called Cassette, and it emulates different sounds from a cassette player. So I, I put that through all these filters and it started to sound really cool. And in the end, it was like a nice tube, like compressed, interesting sound that we got out of it. Shout out to Waves Audio. Yeah, right. that's amazing. Yeah. So how did you connect with Joe Bob? Because I feel like that probably brought you up another level uh, musically oh, with reaching people. Absolutely. I mean, that's the only reason that I have anything at this point <laughs> in my life. <laughs> um, it, it sort of, it stems, it stems back from trauma. I was Lloyd Kaufman's assistant for about four years or five years. Then I produced a couple of his movies simultaneously. Um, but through that, I met two guys at trauma. One of them was trauma team video head, uh, Matt Mangiarides when I first started. And the other guy was Justin Martell, who was sort of in and out of trauma at the time that I started they both went on to executive produce Joe Bob Briggs. So when they were first in talks to do the show, they knew that I had written some music and I actually got a song in a trauma movie through Matt uh, where Lloyd Kaufman tucks his penis at, uh, while reenacting the Buffalo Bill dance and return to Newcomb High volume two. And I did a, a knockoff track of uh, Goodbye Horses and it came out pretty good. So they always remembered that. And uh, when it was time for them to get like going on a theme song, they said, hey, take a stab at a demo. We might go to other people and see what's what but try it out. And I did. And, and the director, Austin Jennings, liked it. Everybody else liked it. And they just, they had a few things, say, add uh, some slide guitar, add some fiddle, and we'll, and that's it. And then that's how it worked. And it seems like all the music you're doing for the show, similarly to your own natural kind of whatever you come up with on your own, it jumps genres. And um, certainly the Spookies rap cannot be compared <laughs> to... <laughs> you know, Mary Lou part two. Yeah. That's, that's sort of Austin Jennings likes to kind of like, 
try to have us not repeat ourselves. And I'm down for that. I'm down for the challenge. Uh, Sometimes to the fact where I like to collaborate with others, uh, if I'm not nailing it, I'm not, I'm not opposed to collaborating. I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to say I'm like some sort of virtuoso. So uh, an example of that is with Red Christmas, Lonely Red Christmas, that song, they needed something really sad. And I wrote a couple of versions and I just couldn't nail it. So Austin, I said to Austin, I said, you write some lyrics for me and I'll then get the feeling with the music. And he wrote the beautiful lines of that. The only snow I'm seeing is the static on TV this year. It's the VCR and me. That's poetry. So when you get lyrics like that, all of a sudden the emotions come pouring out. Um, so yeah, yeah, that, it's, it's a collaboration for sure. And so do they give you, for example, with the Spookies rap, which is a Joe Bob kind of opens the piece by saying, you know, as a, as a clip from the show, how do you summarize what happened in this film? I, I don't think I can do it. Yeah. John, what you got? And then you yeah. guys just go into this hip hop somewhat summation of the film Spookies. We got a guy named Duke and a puppet named Mook. Billy, here's a bunch of balloons. You're gonna be buried alive and soon by a cat boy in a gold vest. It's confusing. Who is this older guy in a gray suit? He's hanging out with teens. It's inexplicable. And who's this older guy? That's something that they were like, all right, where Joe Bob said, like, okay, we've got it to hear. Take off and go with it, or did you go to him and say, "I've been thinking about spookies"? Well, uh, <laughs> actually, it's it's close. Um, Joe Bob had written into the Maniac Cop 2 thing uh, about the end rap. He had mentioned it in the script and he was working on the scripts for the new season. And Austin and I were together and Austin said, hey, what do you want to try this year? What would you like to do? And I said, I would love to do a hip hop song without knowing that they had already talked about the Maniac Cop 2 thing. He says, wow, that's great because we're talking about Maniac Cop 2. Maybe we could find another movie. And then his eyes lit up and he said, spookies we should do an end rap song for spookies and i was like i'm in let's 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 go for it so it just it just worked that way it's it's just you know somebody said one thing then another and then another and it led to the the rap song it seems like your career has sort of just naturally followed this its own pace and its own uh direction have you felt that way or do you feel like you're really pushing to kind of uh expand yourself and try different things and challenge yourself as an artist you know it's both um it's it was hard for me in the beginning when i was trying to uh because i went to film school and um i when i first left film school i was very narrow-minded all i wanted to do was write screenplays and i kept writing and writing i wrote a dozen screenplays i lived in la for 10 years got some meetings never sold anything um, and then I decided to move back to New York. And that's when I started thinking, like, do I want to go back and be a janitor again, uh, which was the best job I had ever had up until that point. It, honestly, I would have loved to go back. But I said, let me try and give it one more shot here in New York and see what's going on. And that's when I got involved with Troma as a volunteer editor. So, uh, you know, just giving my free time to trauma all of a sudden exploded my life in this major way where I was meeting all these people and networking and doing all this cool stuff. Um, but as far as pushing, it's it's difficult to say. I think that I, I missed some opportunities um, by just being stubborn and, and bullheaded and not doing the thing that I should have done at the time. But then the, 
you know, I wouldn't be here if I had taken those other chances or pushed harder to be something bigger than I am, you know? So I like the way that it's kind of now that I'm more mature and able to handle this sort of thing. Because I think if, I, if this had happened to me in my early 20s, I would have drank myself to death, most likely. <laughs> it's not funny. I probably would have. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I'm, just, I'm, <laughs> I'm not chastising you, but it's like I, was, I wouldn't have uh, understood how to handle this, you know. But now I can handle it because it's like I'm older, I'm more mature, I'm, I'm ready to, to just explore art. And that's, more, that's the best drug to me at this point is just art, make art, you know. Yeah. And you must have the appreciation too, with that being a little bit older, be like, I appreciate that this has all come oh, together. Absolutely. I, I mean, it's, you know, sometimes you, 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 it's better when you're older because you look back and of course you have the hindsight of a million times that you've been in the situation. Like for example, we did the Joe Bob's Jamboree this, uh, this past weekend. And it's a humongous festival, thousands of people circling in and out for four days, just like so much going on. I was also in charge of the live stage and bringing the bands in and all that stuff. If I hadn't done maybe three or four trauma dances, which were like uh, Troma's film festival four years in a row, and they were much smaller. If I hadn't done those, I would never, ever, ever have had the skills to pull off what we did with this Joe Bob's Jamboree. So I mean, I guess any advice that I would have uh, to give people, uh, aspiring artists, is sometimes give your time away for free because it'll lead to these interesting situations where you could fail without being like fully responsible for certain things. So, you know, and you can see how other people fail or succeed and take those little things uh, because that that really opened up my my world by by doing that with trauma. I think that's really really good advice and that's not something anybody has ever said in all the interviews we've done really i mean yeah. I, like look i'm not gonna say don't get paid what you're worth if no, you're right, worth of it, course. You know, no right no take of course. money yeah. of course. <laughs> but if you're if you're sitting there and struggling and thinking like i'm never gonna make a movie or i'm never gonna make the connections or something find something that you think is cool find a mentor find somebody that's that you i mean what's the worst that can happen if you reach out to somebody and they don't answer or say no big deal ask somebody else there, there might be somebody who says oh yeah we're making a vampire movie come on and be the assistant to the special effects guy and then suddenly you're learning how to run tubes and this and that and right. pour latex sometimes it's worth it to give yourself away for free mm-hmm. what kind of feedback have you gotten from the fans because you mentioned the jamboree i saw online a bunch of people posting pictures not only with Uh, joe bob and darcy but just with you being like hey i finally got to meet him like it must be in that uh and you guys you know joe bob used the term mutant so in the mutant community that sort of connection of finding another person who's like you know the one of us type thing what's it like to finally connect with those people you know, it's this weekend has been the most surreal weekend I've ever experienced. Just the first person that I've met on the lot who uh, I started talking to is this guy, Gerald. Very just unassuming guy, nice Hawaiian shirt, just like a regular dude hanging out. And um, I had mistaken him for somebody else I thought I was supposed to meet. And I said, you're Eric. And he goes, no, I'm Gerald. I said, OK. And then we just started talking. Right. And it just turns out he's like, I'm a big fan of your work. And he was the first person who like opened up saying that he knows who I am. But it was more like a friend interaction than anything. 
And then I started walking around a lot. I had a lot to do. You know, I was like running all over the place, but people would stop me and, and say, I, I like your music. Like you're great on the show, this and that. And by the end of the weekend, I had signed like, I don't know, a hundred plus autographs on the records and people are carrying them out around looking for me to sign autographs. I'd never would have in a million years thought that this like weirdo who was sitting in his bedroom or, or basement for uh, 20 years making music would ever, ever interact with fans like that. And I love it. I love meeting them because they're, this weekend, everybody was so cool. There was not a single degenerate. There was not a single like there was nobody was overserved. It was so perfect. perfect. And I think part of it is because a lot of these people, this is the first thing that they're doing out of the pandemic. Hmm. And they realize that it's a privilege to be out amongst people. So they were just so happy to be, you know, not in their living room with the same person that they've seen for the past six months, drinking a, you know, box of apple juice or whatever they're doing. <laughs> it was so much, it was so much fun. Just the, the joy, I think, it was uh, post-pandemic bliss. That's good. That's yeah. not, it's not all like that. That's just also like <laughs> the type of people that I think are drawn Absolutely. to, you know, just so good. Yeah, it's it's uh, um, like-minded individuals who, um, you know, horror is is all-inclusive. People people from everywhere and all, all walks of life can enjoy it. And it, it's a testament to uh, Joe Bob's you know, his, his beautiful act, right. what he does, that it brings all these people together. And this is not the last time we'll do it. That's for sure. It is like one of the craziest things that horror fans are the nicest people in the world. Like yeah. everyone that's drawn to horror is so fun. So cool. So chill, like loving. It's like, you get it all out at the film side and then reality. I, I think you're right. I think it's, it's a cathartic thing to watch these um, fantasy things of people being slaughtered and this and that and the other thing, because it's like, that really is our biggest fear is to have it happen to us for real. So when yeah. we see it, it sort of helps us deal with death and destruction and things like that a lot better. I totally agree. You know, usually at some part of the interview, we say, what are you up to next? What's coming next? I feel like for you, it's like, what records are you putting out next in the next few weeks? What's your next 700 songs? Yeah, yeah. well, um, we're, we're, we're my next 700. Yeah, I hope to, I hope to get to at least like 2000 before I, I shuffle oh, you, off the mortal coil. You totally that's will. To, yeah, you fly, yeah, that's fly like not even that. a, yeah, that's easy. Well, it's a long weekend for you. Right. It's a long weekend. <laughs> Memorial Day. I mean, Labor Day is yes, there exactly. you go. Back there it out. <laughs> um, next, actually, we are working on season four. We are talking about some some songs and stuff, some special stuff. Um, so that's definitely uh, an exciting thing. But um, beyond that, uh, I've been talking to a guy from Troma who I, who's also kind of blowing up in his own way, uh, Zach Amico. He starred in Return to Newcomb High, Volume One and Two, and. Um, hashtag Shakespeare's shitstorm. We're developing a Dracula movie that's called Gross Feratu, AKA Disgusting Dracula. And we're aiming for it to be the most disgusting Dracula movie ever made. Wow. I mean, we're, we're trauma guys, so we have to go right. there. Of course. Uh, and the tagline will be, gross out comedies are dead, now they're undead. So, <laughs> so uh, we're and, and Zach will play Dracula, and I'll be behind the scenes directing and stuff like that. So we're writing that now. Now that the jamboree's over, I have some time. We're gonna develop that and see what we're gonna do. Hopefully, we'll be able to shoot it in November, October. 
Oh, well, you know, when the Lord calls you, you have to follow that, <laughs> that order. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I sure. love Dracula is such a great character and there's so oh. much you could do with him. So that's wonderful. We're, yes. we're ready. Yeah. information on John, you can go to his website, badtechno.com, or you can follow him on all the various socials where he is also at Bad Techno. You can check us out on all the various socials. Be sure to visit our website at rockandrollgradschool.com. And don't forget to leave us a review. Today's show is produced by myself and Heidi Hegquist. Our reluctant producers are John Sauvé and Sandy Stone. Our willing producers are Rachel Allen and Randy Jeanette. Our intern is Zach Jackson. This one's for Philippe. Thank you, good night, and may all your favorite bands stay together.